Stories of fantastic mishaps and great success from superstars who have been brave enough to challenge the everyday norm. Life should be one continuous experiment, and here come the latest ingredients to test out with Calvin Simpson and the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile podcast. It made me realize that, holy crap, like, I'm probably going to die here, and I never really achieved anything or did something amazing or great to be remembered. And I promised myself at that very moment was that if I make it through this, I'm going to be the best that I can be. Ladies and gentlemen, have Paul Lamb on the podcast today, Life Through the Eyes of a Smile. <laughs> We're laughing because this has taken about three or four episodes. We've had a, a few things pop up, a couple of Wi-Fi issues, a couple other things. And hey, you know what? That's life, right? Curveballs get thrown at you and you deal with them. That's so true, man. Thanks for having me on, Calvin. I appreciate you for just taking the time and uh, having me on your show, man. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And I definitely appreciate your story. I had the opportunity to run through it the other day. And I really appreciate how you're able to show so deeply share. And it's such a topic nowadays to share vulnerably. And I'll just give the audience a bit of an idea of a few things that you share. We won't hop into all of them. But I think it's important for everyone to just hear these and how far you've been able to actually go into your story. So you have a couple layoffs in there. There were some pretty seriously defining times in your life. And you talk about in your book, society's expectations where you go out there, you get the job. And once you have that job, the employer is going to be keeping you safe. You were pretty shooken up by being laid off from the same company twice, laid off, rehired, laid off again, <laughs> shook your world. You had a, you hit a deer in there. You totaled your car. You talk about your car as really being an, uh, a sense of security for you at that point in time. Yeah. Um, maybe let's start there. Let's go with the car. Cause I think this is a very relatable point for most people is they'll go out, they'll start collecting things in their life and they'll really see these objects as something that do provide them the security. So let's have a bit of the background on that from you, Paul, and where that fits into your story. Yeah, man. Like growing up, I was always a car guy. And so loving the cars and everything. And just out of curiosity, I just like modify it. So like I got to the point where like I started working and I got laid off and then I was working odd jobs. But after being laid off, you know, most people usually get a little shook and stuff. But I thought of my car as a place, as a safe place, right? I always go out and do have like night drives and just you know, digress and stuff. It's just a one place that was amazing for me to just to feel good. And then just randomly after work at, you know, a factory job that I was working at the time, and it was about like 2 a.m. I was driving home and for whatever reason, this deer just came out of nowhere and just wrecked my whole entire car. And this was like my baby. Like for all those car people who just loves their car, like this is like pretty much the end of the world at that moment for me. And so I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, you know, that, that one place that, I thought that was my space and everything is now gone because the insurance companies, you know, said it was total. So it was just completely messed up after that. Even myself, I know in the past, there's always been objects more or less I hold on to from a sense of security. And I thought that was cool. You had the level of self-awareness to look it back on your car and look back on that situation in your life saying, Hey, you know what? These other pieces, we talk about your factory job and in your book, you address how the factory job was, it was good. It was paying the bills, but it ultimately was taking away from your health. It was putting you in these situations, driving at night, and things just were a little off on other parts of your life. So that car was the one thing really holding it together. And then once that car was gone, talk about a massive shift. 
like I said, like for everybody who has that little space of theirs, they would know what it's like when like that space is gone. And so at the time, it felt like my world was crumbling and I was working that job and it was affecting my health because there was a window factory where we shred down pieces of giant glass and all that was going into my lungs. So it was just not a good place. So after losing that, I thought to myself, it just made me realize to disconnect from those materialistic things because you know at the end of the day I walked away with my own life and I made the conscious decision to like quit my job again at the factory and then just following what felt good for me right so like it just really taught me a big lesson in that after losing the car Uh, let's fast forward a bit to where you are today is you have obviously the podcast called path hunters and you were on this trail of being a digital nomad so that's really making money from a laptop there's a few different ways to do that. I won't hop into it too much, but it's really being able to travel the world, have your own time, your own pace. And you just got back from Thailand that you also have had a couple other trips recently where you've been traveling around the world. And that's really the lifestyle that you've got to today. So pretty far when you think about it from being in the factory and even selling insurance as well was the other job that you had in there. Did you ever think that you would be where you're at today? And was this the goal when you were say in that factory job or what did that look like? especially for people who are feeling a bit stuck and lost in their jobs like you were. Yeah, no, honestly, no, because like at the time when all this transpired, me getting laid off twice in my insurance company that, and car crash and all the other bad relationships and gun to head. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, we'll put that one in, but we won't talk about it now. Gun to head. That's serious. (laughs) Yeah. So gunpoint. All this happened between 2000 and 13 to 2016, and it was just a wreck. A whole entire so no like if all this didn't happen to me i would have been where i am today because like it just after every single event i had a lesson to learn in every single one of them thinking back on it now but at that present moment it was just a terrible terrible experience at the time right but i always noticed that you always get through the situations every time and so yeah the reason you know i went to thailand and stuff is we just talked about it a little bit but just to become a digital nomad because i i have this huge love for travel and just get this experience and just feel really you know cool just being like a whole different world so so digital nomads are just people who leverage the internet to create an income and everything yeah, I think that's real cool. So let's talk a little bit about digital nomads for people who don't quite know what it is. Let's describe your experience in Thailand, right? From hopping on the plane, flying over there, finding an apartment, going to coffee shops, and kind of the culture for people who don't understand what being a digital nomad is. And you went to Chiang Mai, which I understand is a big location where people get together. Yeah, so I feel like we have to like paint a little picture of this and the reason why I went to Thailand first too as well. At that time, I was going through a really bad breakup and it was a Friday uh, night. And I had to go into work for that Saturday and it was just the most terrible feeling in the world, realizing at that very moment on the Saturday morning that I do not want to be here. And I realized that this corporate job has control of me. I have to be there or I don't get paid kind of deal, right? So I thought to myself, you know what, it's time to literally take my life into my own hands and create a business so that way it allows me to take back my time and just travel the world and just see the world, right? This is where I found out digital nomads are people just, you know, creating an online business surrounding on the internet and then living off that and just that's funding their travels. So I started a podcast called the Path Hunters Podcast. You mentioned that earlier. And that's all dedicated to helping people find the process and hear about the process to become a digital nomad or just taking control of their life, right? Purpose and passion. Not necessarily a digital nomad overall, but 
I wanted to be a digital nomad. And so I heard that Chiang Mai, Thailand, and it's like north of Bangkok a little bit, where that's the biggest mecca hotspot for everyone in the world just going there to build online businesses. And Why is that? Why do people want to go to Chiang Mai? Is there something there? Yeah, so there's so many benefits of have, just being in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Number one, like the biggest thing is that is the cost of living is super low, but the quality is just as good as you know North America, Canada, where we are, and everything. And like I said, like I got by with about eight hundred dollars a month, you know, and it was really cheap. My rent over here in Toronto was probably you know a thousand, thousand two hundred dollars, and it was just nuts, right? So that my cell phone bill was two hundred dollars. So again, like push and pull kind of deal, right? So yeah, absolutely. That's hilarious. You think, yeah, our cell phone plans are insane. <laughs> and so the apartment you stayed at, was it a complex of digital nomads? Is it, are there that many people there? Yeah. Like I think literally, I think seven out of 10 people were digital nomads. Like everywhere I was wow. walking around the street, the condo I was staying at, and it was a really nice place. You get a pool, you get, you know, it was a studio apartment, you get a bed and everything, and a nice balcony. That was $200 a month. Wow. So that Unreal. was in it was unreal. And that 200 was cool. Canadian. 200 Canadian, by the yeah. way. Yeah. So it was even cheaper in the US. And yeah. so it's crazy. And the, the, I was being surrounded by digital nomads because like, I'm a firm, we're, you know, we're firm believers of you're the average of the five people you hang out with kind of deal, right? So I wanted to be surrounded with that kind of mindset instead of, you know, corporate people's mindsets kind of deal. So that's why I chose Chiang Mai, Thailand was my number one destination to go. Again, like I don't regret it. I love it. It's all because like all these things that happened. And this is what the book is basically all about. Adversities will teach you a lesson and then it'll get you thinking in more different ways, right? And opposed to going through the same. Because before, my mindset was that like working a corporate job, saving, putting money aside and waiting until I'm 65 and enjoying yeah. life. Yeah. And we were talking a bit about your breakup there and you get into it in your book. And I think it's important for people to hear because we've all been through breakups, but there's differing levels i mean there's divorce on one end and then in your example here you talk about it in your book is there's an abortion that you want to keep the baby the girl you're with didn't want to ended up obviously not keeping the baby i mean that how impactful is that in your life i can only imagine yeah you know what a lot of people like would stray away from this kind of topic but yeah. i really wanted to put this into my book because i feel like it's not talked about enough and so uh, yes. So I had this girlfriend about three years and, you know, she was pregnant and she wanted an abortion. And that very moment, you know, we were kind of like bickering back and forth about what we we're going to do. When I first heard about it, my first thought was like, holy crap, what am I going to do? Like, I, you know, I got to go find another job. It's going like, to maybe I start focus on the podcast a little bit more. Let's grow that really quickly. Or maybe I was thinking about different avenues to find so, different solutions, but I never thought about just running away from the problem. Right. For her, it was a simple, very easy solution. It was just the abortion, right? That was all she wanted. And that was it. That made me realize, you know, the difference in the mindsets at that very point in time. Right. And I was looking for solution and she was basically just limiting herself just that one solution. And that was it. Again, a lot of people don't talk about this and I wanted to talk about it more in the book and everything in depth and detail. I love how you're talking about it. It's tough to share stuff like that, especially from our past that we've been through. I've shared definitely a lot about my past, but not the entire picture. And there's definitely aspects where thinking about sharing them now and ultimately in the past when I've always been skeptical about sharing something, I find that that is the most important information that needs to be shared. So for yourself, I mean, you're touching some very hard impactful topics here why do you want to share that story paul am and how do you think it will affect others 
Yeah, because like I said, it's a topic that not a lot of people talk about, especially on the guy's perspective, right? Because gotta be tough, bro. Don't talk about those emotions, man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like we're. I literally, for my, I always like to say, like I'm the guinea pig to my own podcast, documenting exactly what's going on. You know, I went to Chiang Mai, Thailand, with saved up like a bunch of money, and that was it. I didn't really have a, an income coming through. And it was it was quite interesting because a lot of people resonate with me very much because it was just more relatable. And so that's why I really wanted to share it completely because it was just a good friend of ours, you know, Jay always said that you're basically doing someone else a disservice by not sending out your message because you're too afraid to let it out. Right. So I didn't want to hold it in where it's just balling up is a bad thing. Right. So it helps you to let it out and then it helps others to resonate with you at the same time. I talk about this a fair bit, the baseball bat assault. I still remember the first time I openly talked about it. Didn't want to talk about it before because I had all these conceptions in my head and beliefs around what others would think and what, how they would judge me. And finally, I just got to the point there. I said, F it. I'm going to tell my story. And it felt so good. It weighed the world off your shoulders. And for anyone who's been through a situation like that, there's so much angst and anxiety around sharing those stories. But once you actually do it, it's amazing how it changes. We can sit here and it sounds very cliche to say the weight of the world lifts off the shoulders, <laughs> but 110%. And I found by sharing our stories, whenever we do it, people will be listening to this podcast as you share your stories. They're going to be thinking about their own stories in their head that's either happened to them in their life or maybe a friend. And just through that process, by you opening it up, it allows them to connect with the deeper self. And by you talking about the emotions of it, it allows them to address their emotions. It's amazing how such simple conversations, how just like this podcast can have such an impact, just like the stories that you're sharing in your book can have such an impact. Exactly. No, 100% for sure. This episode, as well as the rest of the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile episodes, were brought to you by Halfle. One of the key pieces of Hatful's business is helping authors self-publish and hit Amazon bestseller. We work specifically with people who have life experience to share. Just like this podcast, it is so important to share people's stories to help others move through their own struggles in life. Now, my story in the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile story was really born when I lost three months of my life in May 2010. You can find this story in the preview pages on Amazon. Search Life Through the Eyes of a Smile. For three years, I couldn't talk about my story, but when I did, a magical thing started to happen. People started to thank me, and I quickly began to learn many people had their own story in life that they were holding on to, that others needed them so badly to share. If this sounds like you or someone you know, send them to hatful.com slash share, H-A-P-P-F-U-L dot com slash share, and we're gonna get that book out, minus the frustration and difficulty. The world needs your message. Now let's get back into this episode. So let's talk about the gun, man. When did that happen? Gun to your head. It was crazy. So this happened after the car crash. It was just me, my mom, and dad at home in like 9 a.m. in the morning. And doorbell rings, right? Nobody thinks what anything we're happening. 9 a.m.? What? 9, 9 a.m. in daylight. I know, I know. My dad just opens the door and you, know, you, you don't know. And then this guy just punches him in the face and they just come in. Four guys came in with armed, like guns and knives and everything, came in asking for the money. And what's, like, you know, we're going to kill you. And then my mom, I hear like a, I was sleeping at a time so i hear a lot of struggling i'm like what the heck's going on like i'm just, like what is going on breakfast should not be this hard <laughs> so so i'll go downstairs and i see you know these four thugs just you know pushing my mom and dad around wow, it's gonna be surreal it was unreal like it was i felt like i was in the movie because i was so sh in shock right so 
you know, looking back now, like what happened to me was actually a very normal thing. Like my, I completely went blank, but there's two things that people say that that happens to you when you face something like this kind of situation. You either back off and run away and hide, or the mind just completely goes blank and you go in with 100% of your strength and push and just fight, right? You don't even think about it. It's just, it's just, it's just a reaction. So I went in and I shoved one of the guy and I pushed him really hard and, and I, uh, I went in front of my mom. And by the time I came to, I had a gun pointed to my head. And he said, I'm going to fucking blow your brains out. And then it took a while to finally... Oh, 9 a.m., you just woke up, you go upstairs, you see this happening. Yeah. Gun to your head, man. I didn't realize I had a gun to my head at the time until a, like a few seconds afterwards. And they pushed us to the kitchen. Obviously, they're just going around the house looking for clo- like, you know, any like valuables and everything. And honestly, it was like half the day where they were just still in that place because we couldn't call the cops. And I had a gun pointed to my head. And a lot of things went through my mind at the time. Right? I really have to, I care about this picture that I really wanted to paint for the audience because when you're in this situation, you realize that this fucking thug has control over your life. Ultimate control, ultimate control, ultimate control, right? It's either you do two things, right? You you do something and do something brave and risk your parents' life or yourself and getting hurt. It looked kind of like a fake gun. I don't know. Who knows? Was I going to wilt through? Well, that's going through your head, right? Is it a real gun? Is it a fake gun? Is it going to pull the trigger? Exactly. And I thought to myself, okay, let's just keep it cool and stay stay calm. And I just didn't like that. <laughs> As you're freaking out, stay cool, stay calm, gun to your head. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. It was all these kind of emotions going through my mind, the adrenaline. And somehow during my thought process, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to make this. I'm going to fucking die. I remember the date too, March 28th. And I was thinking, I'm not going to make it March 29th. And it made me realize that, holy crap, like I'm probably going to die here. And I never really achieved anything or did something amazing or great to be remembered. And I promised myself at that very moment was that if I make it through this, I'm going to be the best that I can be and impact whoever I can and just do everything I can and take every opportunity that comes my way. Obviously like the, the best case scenario happened, right? They just took a bunch of money, a bunch of belongings. And it took about, you know, I think all that happened like five hours, but it felt longer. Right. And so they left the place and they made us count to like 50 and they left. And my mom and dad walked away with like, you know, a few bruises, but that was it. That, That was the best case scenario in my opinion. But at that time, I was freaking out and losing my shit. Yeah, hundred percent. You, yeah, best case scenario, right? Everyone was able to walk away from that. It's insane. So that promise you made to yourself, Paul. I know you're going to hop into this a little bit more now. You talked about it a little bit, but what was that promise to yourself? And let's explain maybe a week, two weeks after that, or even up until now, and how it's affecting you today. You know, at the time, I thought I was okay, but. During the next few months, I realized that it, I was not okay. I was really, it was okay. just a traumatic experience. And so what was the promise to yourself again? It was just, I'm going to be the best that I can be. Okay. And I'm going to do everything I can to be that one person to impact everybody's life in a positive way. And so that's a scary thought to have because that's seriously calling yourself out. After the event, did you address that thought like, oh God, wow, I'm going to have to do this? Or did you think about maybe just conveniently forgetting about it? No, like I was in motion. I was out. I was ready. I was. I grabbed the yeah. laptop and I was just looking different ways on how to take this next step now. But like, subconsciously at the time, I was I was not okay because like I was going. It was a traumatic experience and I didn't realize it. Consciously, I was like grinding. Right, I'm just like yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
I kept getting night sweats, nightmares. My mind kept thinking it was in danger all the time. I couldn't sleep. I was sleeping two hours, you know, three hours at a time. And it was just not in a good place, you know. And uh, the police department offered some therapy and stuff. And I, you know, I took them up on that offer and just to see what was going on with me. And so they did an analysis on me and they said that, you know, your mind couldn't differentiate the difference of you're being in danger and because it can tell if you're in the past, the present or the future. Okay, because it thinks you're always in danger more or less because that was such a shakeup that you had in your life of, I think I'm safe at home, whatever is going to happen. But when you think about the worst case scenario that you are you think you're safe in your, your home, but that safety is just stripped after it's, people yeah. come to the door and come in. Exactly. To say what's safe anymore, right? I can completely relate to that. Exactly. Because I, I kept being so paranoid. I, I kept locking the door. I kept like lo- locking the screen doors and I just locked everything. Well, I can only imagine something drops in the house at night or even in the morning just up and about. Yeah. So what the therapist actually recommended was that, you know, you need to practice some mindful meditation, bring your mind to the present. And I thought, holy, sh- this is full of shit. I'm like, this is not going to roll with me. This is the dumbest You're thing. Like, I'm crazy. Wrong. You're crazy. <laughs> I was like, this is just some woo woo stuff. I don't need this. But, <laughs> but, you know, I thought to myself, what did I have to lose? Right. Goes, uh, there was nothing was going to get better. And so I just started practicing and practicing. And I realized the next couple of weeks, things were getting a little bit better because I kept bringing myself to the present moment, right. Realizing that the situation is over now. Right. So that triggered something in me and that re- made me realize that if you control your mind you can pretty much control everything in your life because it has to start within the mind right and this is where it really intrigued me because she made me do really simple exercises like feel your clothes and feel the texture feel your fingers and like it just realize that you're in the present moment you look in the room and stuff and be aware and it was unreal so the next couple like about you know a couple months went through this entire process i think about six months afterwards i started feeling a lot better more like myself and it made me really interested in looking into the mindsets and shifts and everything and and this is what prompted this book really because i looked more into like the situation i had in the past the car crash being laid off you know this is what made me really interested in mindset so i started training my mind more so that was the point right there that made pretty much the turning point for everything. Wow. It sounds so simple yet. It's so complicated, right? When we talk about just feeling your clothes, feeling your breath, and I can definitely see how you think, wow, this person's completely insane. But just those small acts of, hey, you know what? I'm in the moment. And I love what you said about controlling your mind is the mind is the biggest game that we're always playing. If you ask someone can burst through your door at any minute, but do you want to live your life that way? Do you want to live your life thinking someone is going to burst through the door at any minute? Or do you want to live more in the present moment? And of course, <laughs> not worrying about that stuff, but say all right this can happen but you know what it's a pretty rare occurrence i'm just going to focus on like you were talking about earlier what i can actually change what i can go out there and do instead of just erasing these thoughts exactly this is why i wrote the book because i don't want everyone to go through this super extreme experience for them to finally understand these kind of terms and exercises and everything and so i this is why i wrote it in the book and i wrote it in the best way i could with as the mindset at the time when I was going through this whole entire process. And so hopefully like everybody will learn, you know, if you can control your mind, you can pretty much control everything, right? How you perceive things and go from there. Yeah, it's amazing. So mindfulness is a big piece of that for you then, Paul. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, what else, what else do you have? Do you have any other tips, tricks for people or hey, you know what, I wanna control my mind or even talking about negative circumstances or your book is highly based off of adversity. What, would you like to say to someone out there who's had something serious happen in their life very similar to you? And they might be living that right now. 
Exactly. So realize the, that the situation was over. You're not a time traveler. Right? You can't go back in the past and you can't fix it. But what you can do is not be the victim anymore because I was playing the victim card for the longest time. So I stopped playing the victim card and realized and looked around and see what I can do now in the present moment. And another one was loving yourself. You know, I, I never really truly loved myself, right? So understanding that, you know what, you, you've come really far and appreciated that you've gone through this adversity and that you can actually take the time to reflect back right, and learn from it. Yeah, that's massive. I want to hop into both of those. So what, what is a victim? This is something that's talked about a lot of the time. What is a victim role to you, Paul? And what does that mean if someone's playing the victim in their life? Every conversation you would talk with your friends, you know, this kind of subject would come up. You know, oh my God, like, you know, I got robbed. You know, this is why I'm like this. This is why I'm all My life sucks. I'm so unlucky. Exactly, yeah. I wish yeah. I had this. I wish I had that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's a victim card. If you're always talking about it, if you're always in a place and you're always looking for every conversation to bring something, that kind of situation up, that means you're a victim. That's mindset, right? So how would you, let's say someone was open to fixing that they're a victim, that they understood, well, I'm always playing the victim role. How would you guide them out of that? What advice would you give them? Yeah. So first starting that it's over, right? That you need to control your mind and you need to do these exercises where you don't talk about it anymore. I know it's hard, but you kind of have to police yourself. So catch yourself, right? If you catch yourself, then just kind of hold yourself accountable kind of deal. I call that broken record syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) It's when we say the same thing over and over again. I want to change. I want to do this. I wish I was doing this. And that for me is a trigger. Once you hear yourself saying the same things over and over and over, and let's talk about being the victim role of I never get promoted at work. We'll use that as an example. If you're out there thinking that, if you want to get promoted at work, think about every time when you say, I don't, or I'm not getting promoted at work. Catch yourself saying that. Look at that. Okay, what can I do differently? Stop being the broken record and actually do something to change it instead of just sitting there expecting things to happen is huge for me. Yeah, so that's exactly how I would put it as well too. Like, you know, be conscious, aware. And I started having these exercises where, you know, whenever I'm chatting with friends, it would just come up and I would just like, oh my God, okay, stop it, stop it. And that was it. Just tell myself to stop and catch myself, right? And you realize, and over time, you kind of let it go and you you realize and just continuously remind yourself that it's over you're in the present being mindful and being aware is the key thing yeah that's amazing and so then we talk about moving away from getting out of that victim role and talking about having that love and compassion for yourself another topic that definitely comes up so that love and compassion for you paul what does that specifically mean and how would you maybe practice that in your day yeah so what that means to me is that you know love and compassion because you know everybody goes through something right and because like like just like you you know you've experienced something and not everyone will get through it so understand that right so for me was that just practicing gratitude is a really big thing right every morning i always go over the three things as small as it is and made me appreciate you know the nice cool you know wind and like the sunshine's shining and everything and appreciating you know my parents they made it they're alive they're healthy you know so that's pretty cool Well, yeah, Paul, I definitely want to thank you sincerely for sharing your story. We talked a little bit about it, but it's not easy to share that stuff, but it's so powerful and it's so meaningful for others to hear this, that, hey, you know what, you're not alone. You might have this stuff going on in your life. 
you might not be able to get away from it. And really, that's the big thing is we will have stuff come up in our life and our ability to move past it is so important. So many people just get stuck there. So I know that by sharing your story and sharing where you are today, you're really going to help a lot of people moving forward from that. And yeah, kudos to you for being able to share that as well, especially in a book format. Yeah, no, no, no problem. I was wondering if we could share one more thing. We can, absolutely. If you guys, if whoever's listening to this podcast, you know, are going through something, realize that you're really strong more than you know. And uh, I thought I was really weak at the time. You know, I was playing this victim. I was just not that person, right? But realize that you are that person. You can be the best version of yourself. You're just going to make that choice and be willing to go forward because time is precious. The more time and more energy you're spending to be in the past, you're losing more time in the present moment with the precious things you have in your life right now, right? And then, so that, made, that was my parents, my family, and, you know, everyone all, all around me. And so that helped me a lot, realizing that. And then that helped me move forward into what I want to do now, right? Whoever is out there, just, you know, you are strong enough. That's a deep, deep message, Paul. Thanks for sharing that. It's, yeah, I'm sure people are going to be listening to this and think, hey, you know what, I might not be strong enough to do it. But you definitely are. Like you say, you are strong and it's amazing how much we can actually do. So if anyone wants to get a hold of you, Paul, how can they do that? Yeah, so you guys can always email me at paul at pathhunters.com. Check out, you know, all my site as well too. So pathhunters.com is there. Or you can always add me on Facebook. Instagram is pathhunters. And when the book comes out, it'll be about a week after this podcast. We'll be sure to really be pushing it out there. But definitely get your hands on Paul's book. It's amazing. We talked a bit about the adversities you faced in life today. Again, thank you for that. You're going to be helping out so many people, Paul. And it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you for just having me, you know, on your podcast and everything. I appreciate you a lot. Let me know what you thought of the episode at calvin at hatpool.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.